Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Social Security Disability. It's a benefit we hope we never have to claim, and one so many of us hesitate to apply for. You may be saying things to yourself like, will I be able to afford going on Social Security Disability? Will people think I'm giving up? looking for a free ride, and then I no longer have any value? Am I disabled enough to qualify? Even if I do decide to apply, I have no idea where to start. In this episode, I'll be talking one-on-one with Pittsburgh-based attorney Dennis Liotta of Edgar Snyder & Associates. Dennis has been representing Social Security disability claimants for over 20 years. For the last decade, he's been recognized as a top legal talent by the well-respected peer review publication, Best Lawyers in America. Add to that his designation as a Pennsylvania super lawyer out of outstanding lawyers from over 70 areas of practice, and I was confident that I found just the right person to help me tackle this touchy and often complex subject. Let's get right to it with Dennis Liotta. Welcome everyone, Dennis Liotta from Edgar Snyder and Associates in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is going to be explaining all things Social Security Disability today to us. Dennis, I can tell you when I was researching Social Security Disability, and this is after my neurologist had twisted my arm for three years to do so, and of course, it's always a decision, two different decisions when it comes to having a disability. Number one, it's financial. You know, can I afford to quit my job, even though I know it's killing me? Um, And then the other question is, can I afford to continue to work and put my health at further risk all the time? So I did did my own research, went to the Social Security Disability website, thought I knew exactly what I was doing, and I saw over and over again, and I was kind of shocked that on average, 64% of initial claims are denied. Yes. And I'm like, what? How can that be? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That is not going to happen to me. I'm going to get my act together, and I'm just going to use an attorney from the get-go. So I make an appointment with an attorney, and I probably should have been more specific when I made that appointment, or maybe they should have asked me more questions. I don't know. But I got my information together. I go to my attorney. I sit down, and, you know, she went through. I had just a tiny little binder of my info and my history. And she looked at it and she said, well, dear, she said, you're going to have to come back to us after you're declined. I'm like, what? Using you, I I thought, you know, I'd have a better chance of not getting declined. And she said, no, she said, we usually, you know, we begin representing someone after they've been declined. You know, you you may be accepted on your uh, doing it yourself. So I'm like, okay. So they gave me a little bit of guidance before I left, but I left there feeling a little empty and like, oh my God, what what do I do now? So I went and I gathered 10 years worth of medical records. And I went to the Social Security Disability Office with a binder that was about three inches thick. I divided everything up by MRI scans because I have multiple sclerosis and that's what it's all about. I had a tab for blood work. I had a tab for doctor's appointments. And I went in, and within four weeks, I was approved. Oh, 
Congratulations. <laughs> and I was thrilled. Now, the thing is, I did. I had to pay to get all of those. I don't know. That, that was like seven years ago. In all, I may have paid about $200 in fees, which it's my understanding if I had been declined, gone to an attorney, that's like, that's something that you guys would have handled. That's something an attorney would have handled. It just so happens that I had enough information that they were able to come to a decision based on what I provided them. But given that 30 something percent of uh, claimants are denied initially, what normally happens? What if I had done that and I had been denied? If you were good, uh, if you were to have been denied, Brooke, and usually you're, you are right, it's 64% and it's even going higher just because of the way the Social Security Administration is. If you get turned down and, and the majority of the people get turned down, especially if they're under 50, you're under 50 and it's automatically denied because although you may not be able to go back to your past relevant work, Social Security will try to find that there's jobs out there that you're capable of doing. Okay. When you do the application, the application is a long application. Yeah. And what happens is after you complete the application, then you'll get a call four weeks, five weeks later from Social Security, and they'll go over the application. Now, in your case, because you did all that background and you did all the legwork, you actually helped Social Security out. But most people, when they apply, all they do is they give them the names of their doctors, maybe the hospitals that they visited, maybe some places where they got MRIs or CT scans, and then they rely on Social Security to go find these records and find these reports. And unfortunately, I can tell you, that's not all true in all cases. They're so backlog over there. Right. They, won't, they won't wait until they get all the doctor's reports, all the medical records, narrative reports, diagnostic studies. And so usually they automatically deny the person especially if they're under 50. And then what you have to do is after you get the decision from Social Security, then you have a right to take an appeal and actually have your case heard in front of an administrative law judge or a Social Security judge. And at that point in time, you have to wait about 12 to 18 months before you are, because of the bureaucracy, to actually have a Social Security hearing. So is, would that have been the ideal time if I had been denied and I wanted to appeal? Would that have been the moment when I should have made the call to an attorney? Yes. Okay. yes. Actually, there are attorneys. I mean, we do it. We actually help the person with the application process. Okay. Because the process is so cumbersome. It's not like a two-page questionnaire. It's, it's multitude of pages to do the questionnaire. Right. And some people don't have the wherewithal yes. to actually do the application process themselves. Exactly. I agree with that because as I was filling mine out, I thought to myself, what about my MS friends who have cognitive, cognitive issues mm -hmm. or anybody with cognitive issues for that matter? How would they ever have figured any of this out? You know, how could they remember from 10 years ago or even a year ago? because you get so much testing done over that amount of time. But um, tell me this, before, an, another thing that I thought about before I decided to apply was, am I disabled enough? Even though my neuro had said to me, Brooke, I'm telling you, I have patients who are much less disabled than you who are on disa disability. 
But of course, part of it's a pride thing. I don't want to quit my job. I well, love working. You don't because by saying you're disabled, basically you're almost waving the white flag and saying, look, I can never go back to work. Yes, exactly. And a lot of people have a strong worth ethic, especially in Western Pennsylvania, that they don't want to admit to themselves or to anybody else that I can no longer work. And as a result, I, I'm just going to start collecting Social Security disability checks. Exactly. You are exactly correct. Now, let's say somebody is is right on the, they're on the fence and they're thinking, you know, maybe I could go to my employer and see if there's something, you know, maybe my disability is such that um, they could accommodate it. Mm -hmm. Must an employer accommodate? Do they have, do they have to legally provide some type of accommodation? Are there limitations to what they need, they are required to accommodate? Right, especially if you come into a workplace without any disabling factors. And if you do become disabled after you work for them, employers should try to make that accommodations. But unfortunately, the majority of employers just won't be able to make that accommodation. Okay, so they are not legally bound to do so? No. Huh. No. I mean, basically, they, you know, they should, but unless there was accommodations that they knew about it going into hiring that person, that's a different story than as a person who, do who does become disabled. While they're working there. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I, I think I've always, always thought that they had to accommodate you if possible. If they, they'll try to, too, but they're under no obligation if they just don't have a, a modified or a light-duty job for that person to go back to. Okay, that's good to know. One thing I thought about when I think about, because, of course, MS strikes people at all ages. Right. Let's say I am 22 years old, and I've paid into Social Security for a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Or no amount of time. What if I've been in college, you know, all this time and it strikes? Right. And then because there's two types of Social Security. Social Security disability is when people who are paid into the system. Okay. SSI are for people who have not worked at all or have worked for just a short period of time. And they would still be eligible even if you never worked, as you indicated, for, for being a college student they could qualify for SSI benefits. Okay, okay, that's good to know. So there's SSD and SSI. Right. Okay, is there a blanket goal, or, or when Social Security is looking at somebody's claim, mm -hmm. what, what do they look at, what description do they need for you to be considered, quote, disabled, or eligible for Social Security disability? To be the criteria to be considered to be disabled for under Social Security is your, your, dis, your disabling condition or your disability has to or expected to be or be disabled for at least a year. Okay. Um, in order for you to even start going over the first hurdle, your disability is expected to or it's going to last a year or more. Okay. Social Security does is they look at the whole body. They look at all the elements that you, that you are alleging. God forbid if you have cancer or diabetes or lupus or heart issues, they'll look at everything. Okay. Also look at the fact that if, especially for people who work, 
or do they have a long work history as well? People who are paid into the system. Right. And most, and most importantly, they'll also look at your age as well. Okay. 22-year-old um, person, a person who's, God forbid, is disabled throughout the college, they'll look at everything, but it's a little bit of a more of a hurdle for a younger person to get it. Usually, if there's also some sort of mental component or mental illness as well, besides the physical then those people who are a younger individual has has a better chance in getting Social Security than somebody who is healthy and 22 and their only disabling condition is that they can't find a job. Okay, okay. You had mentioned that typically it can be, did you say 14 to 18 months? Before you, before you have a hearing. Right. Because in today's economy, there's a lot more people who apply for Social Security disability than there was 20 and 30 years ago. So there's a backlog. Yes, there's, there's a backlog. In fact, in, in Pittsburgh is one of the, the cases, the areas that is so backlogged that when we have hearings in Pittsburgh, we actually have hearings from judges out in St. Louis and Kansas City and Colorado because the Pittsburgh judges are so backlogged with hearings. That, that they have to have judges out, out, out of the state who basically do video hearings for people here in Pittsburgh. And the Social Security Disability and all of their criteria, it doesn't vary per state, correct? It's a national. It's a national. I mean, usually it, the, the criteria is they look at your age, they look at what's your disabling condition, they look at whether you're not or you paid into the system. And it's without, you know, there may be slight variations here and there, but they generally look at what they look at here in Western Pennsylvania is, is what they look at in California as well. Okay, cool. Good to know. Well, let's say you apply in June. Mm -hmm. You are denied within mm -hmm. a month or so. Right. It's that, it takes that 14 to 18 months till you have your hearing. Right. Then finally, after this appeal, you are granted Social Security Disability. Right. What about back pay? I think that's, did they refer to it technically as back pay or retro yes. pay? They'll look at it as to when you claim your disability is. So if a person was to claim disability in, in September of this year, we may not have a hearing until the year 2021 but it will go back to September of this year with the date that you're alleging disability. Got and it. You be eligible for the back pay as well. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. That's very good to know. So you, you get approved, accepted, mm -hmm. and something comes up. You have an opportunity to work, mm -hmm. but you might only be able to do it part-time. Right. And, and Social Security will allow you to work part-time, but it's all based upon how much you, you earn. Under Social Security Disability, you can't, this year you can't earn more than $1,220 a month okay. for, for, you to be al uh, for you to still be eligible for Social Security Disability. If you earn more than that, then they would, there would be an offset off your Social Security Disability. Okay. And even, even if you make more than $1,220 a month, Social Security will allow you to what's called a trial period of work for a few months where you can actually earn more 
And then if it turns out you cannot continue to perform this job, it doesn't affect your social security disability. Okay. That's a, but, that's a really good, that's good to know. Cause I mean, I think of that myself sometimes I think, what if I ever was able to go back to work and what, let's say it was determined that I, tomorrow I could go back to work full time, mm -hmm. but two years down the road, I had this, the same thing happen and I wasn't able to work to the best of my ability. I wasn't able to hold a nine to five job. Would I, would I have to start the process all over again? No, you would have basically just reopened your claim. Okay. We reopen your claim, and, and you would uh, it shouldn't you would not have to start the process all over again. And then at that time, the money that you paid into Social Security during those working that that gap of working could it could act if you could see an increase in your Social Security disability because you paid more money into the system. Okay, wonderful. Well, this is a question. Well, Social Security disability, how does it affect your income taxes? Uh, usually, uh, everyone is different because depending upon what they, what they make, but usually what we do is refer the tax questions to a, spat, to a tax specialist. Because okay. everyone, everyone is different. Okay. So it's not just a blank answer that does it affect me. Some situations it does, in others it doesn't at all. Okay. I, I would tell you this though, that with Social Security SSI, that's based on need. So it may affect that person more than it does a person with SSD. Okay. All right. Can you name, let's say, two things, or let's say the top thing that would practically guarantee that someone would be denied? What's one mistake that people could make that would almost certainly they, they would be denied. That they don't continue to treat. If they allege a disability and they haven't treated in six to nine months, or they haven't abided by their doctor's recommendations, uh, they recommend that they take medication and for whatever reason they decide they're not going to take the med medication. But usually if they don't continue to treat because Social Security will look at it and they say, well, you're disabled, but you haven't seen a doctor in a year. So how can you still claim that you're still disabled? I see. That's probably the biggest thing is that can, people don't continue to treat. They think that if I apply and that's all they need to do, and Social Security wants to see the history of that person as you did with you. You had a multitude of doctors, rings of medical evidence. Uh, if a person claims they're disabled but they, they lack the medical treatment, and that raises a suspicion for Social Security. I see. Throughout time, through let's say you know you finally get accepted. Mm -hmm. In the following years, does Social Security Disability do they check up on you? Do they? Yeah, they could. I mean, that's usually, and that's true for people who are young individuals. Anybody who's uh, fifty and and younger, they're deemed to be younger individuals. So what Social Security does, especially the twenty-five-year-old or thirty-year-old. They have a right to have them go to what's called a medical examination. Right. And if that doctor deems them to be no longer disabled, then Social Security can stop your Social Security disability benefit. I see. It's called, it's called cessation, and then you would need to have an attorney to fight that. Okay. Usually, if you're 55, 58 years old, anybody who's deemed to be an older individual, 
then probably the Social Security will allow you, will leave you alone. That's not to say that they they can't send you, but usually at that point in time they'll let you continue to collect Social Security. As people who are under fifty and get it, you have a better chance in getting an examination by Social Security down the road. Okay. All right. What is your number one tip for getting accepted? Like if if you could even even just a blanket statement to anybody listening in my mind it's have all your ducks in a row yeah it, it's basically, all about documentation 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 it's all, about, it's all about documentation is make sure that you have your doctors on board they're saying look i'm going to apply for social security social security is going to contact you to getting my records you know i would appreciate you know that if you can document my disability because a lot of people, as I indicated before, Brooke, they apply it, but they don't realize that you have to have the documentation. You have to have the evidence to show that you're still disabled. Okay, okay. And when you say documentation, like I, I, I often wondered when I was putting all of my information together, if I was kind of doing overkill. I mean, obviously it worked in my favor, but maybe they didn't need my blood work. But I, I tried to do everything chronologically, so it would show a progression. It, it, uh -huh. They could see, like they could open up the first page and go through the whole thing almost as if it was a story to see, wow. Because honestly, myself, you don't go back and look over your medical records often, but it was kind wow. of an eye-opener to see just how far I had, condition had degraded over time. And I was like, wow. I think I really am disabled. You know, my doctor was right. And of course it's unfortunate, but we're, I, I think we're very lucky to live in a country where we even have the opportunity to have social security disability. Right. I mean, it's nothing that when we pay into it, it's nothing we ever want to touch until we retire. Yeah, a lot of people, they think of social security, they think of retirement. Yes. And a lot of people don't realize there's a second component of Social Security, which is people who unfortunately are disabled, and that prevents them from working. Exactly. And that there is a certain stigma that somebody who is applying or comes to the realization, like I did, that, wow, people are afraid that people are going to look at them as living off the system. Right. You know? And trust me, I know that there are people out there who are playing that game. But for those of us who truly are disabled and would love nothing more than to be able to work, that's one of the, the, um, the hurdles that we have to emotionally get over before we you know, take the plunge and apply. Right. There's um, a lot of people out there who you, you touched on it exactly, Brooke, that a lot of people have to get over the stigma and then more importantly, have to come to the realization, accept the fact that although I want to work, my body is preventing me from working. Exactly. That's exactly, that's exactly correct. All right. Well, believe it or not, I think we covered practically everything. All the questions. I mean, I can't think of anything else. Can you think of anything else? No. I mean, <laughs> again, you need to apply. And I think there's, there's basically two ways to apply. You can apply online, or you can go down to your local Social Security office and apply. Okay. Uh, third way is they say, well, you can apply over the phone, and I never recommend that. Okay. Because, unfortunately, when you call Social Security, you may be talking to somebody in Mississippi the first time, and when you call back, you could be talking to somebody in Montana 
the second time. So the best way is to apply online, or if for some reason you can't do that, go down to your local Social Security office and they'll be able to help you. Right, and that's exactly what I did, and I was glad that I did. They were, they were awesome. I mean, there, there was a little bit of a, yeah. a delay, but all in all, I mean, four weeks, and it does happen. I'm not the only person who's done the same thing that I did, and they were approved within four weeks. I wish that was the case yeah. for everyone. I think I just got lucky, but yeah. Well, Dennis, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on today. I feel more confident now than ever well, that I chose the well, right I thank you for having me. Absolutely. On this yeah, well, thank you for helping, helping me, Brooke, and I really appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Hey, thank you, Dennis, and we'll make sure to uh, provide your information and uh, a link to Edgar Snyder in Pittsburgh and hopefully to you. Great. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so, so much, and have a great day. You too, and you as well. Bye-bye. For more information on the MS Gym, check them out at themsgym.com on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to know what I've been up to lately, you can find me at brookslick.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of the MS Gym Podcast.